Good morning. This is an EWTN Newslink. I'm Teresa Tamio. It's Thursday, December 10th. Welcome the to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed by the and Supreme inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With the McLean and Emily Good morning. Welcome to Cat's Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's great to be on with you. How's your morning going? The appeals court dismissed the case. Have you had the coffee yet? Are you on your way to work? Are you on your way to drop the kids off school? And the Trump administration tries to revive the president's plan to send millions of Medicare recipients a $200 prescription discount card. There are concerns about the logistics of such an effort in the midst of the holiday season. For more news with the Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. I'm Teresa Tamio, and Morning Glory starts now. Live from our nation's capital on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, this is Morning Glory. It's Catholic from coast to coast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. DJ Amen. <laughs> Do you even know what the Lord, ones and twos are? Lord, we give you ones honor and, and praise to... and glory and blessing no, you're not on talking this about day. Binary, that's ones and zeros. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. We thank you for the gift of our life. Start a new segment. We uh, thank you for this incredible opportunity to no idea about. Uh, have another day uh, we should start to convert, to change our minds and our hearts, to draw ourselves closer to you, to open ourselves more deeply, to see opportunities for your love and they would to work so powerfully <laughs> in our lives. Scratch and mix. You don't and know. We, we, Lord, we have, have fake today. ones where you just like <laughs> on a you slide them, but there's actually Lorenzo. nothing there. <laughs> we ask you to, um, yeah. well, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, you know. so to help us be more receptive well, of Jesus. your life have a great this world. We ask today. all this uh, through Christ our Lord. We have a theme going this week on Time. Yesterday we spoke with John Henry Weston from Lifeside News about big tech censorship. Today we're speaking with Dorothy Cummins-McLean in the first hour, and, I will bless your and name she wrote a blog post on LifeSiteNews.com a couple weeks ago about, is the West becoming more totalitarian? Is the West becoming more totalitarian? And more to the point, what uh, people who used to let live them under communist rule have to, to tell the West is to warn us about what it means to, uh, your to avoid becoming totalitarian. So that's going to be our first conversation in this hour. In the next hour, a good friend of mine, Father Sam Medley from the Salts, the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, is going to be on mm. with us. Yes. Amen. When we Beautiful. went into lockdown mm. back uh, in the spring that's Psalm 145, this year, uh, in fact, uh, 145 to 150 overdrive are called the Deuterohallel Psalms, or the Second Praise Psalms. In a, uh, in a virtual um, way. So they now have a 114 huge of retreats simply what the, uh, to the world, Jewish people were saying at the Seder meal. So on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus and the Apostle would have been singing the 114 and 118 these on the show. second praise I mean, sounds also quite hour. beautiful. We have three incredible um, questions. In fact, I love that first line. I will extol you, my God. If you want to be that contestant, if you want to uh, have the opportunity you know, to win some cool yeah. And that's the way it starts. Well, all you have to <laughs> you know, do so is turn right out the box. Hour, seven well, you know, and that's what it's all about, right? Glory to God in the highest. Yes, exactly. Wonderful song to start today. Some cool prizes. So all of that on today's Catholic Drive Time. It's going to be a great show. Plus the headlines, breaking stories. Let's pray first. Please gather your intentions. You will also 
So Whatever later in the show, are, have Father Bjorn Lundberg. Family, so you're having life, a double treat work, today, for friends, for uh, which I think is uh, fantastic. And, uh, unite and I'm going to ask for our prayers to also for our friend, Mike Birchfield, who's not feeling well today. And so we're asking our listeners to say prayers for him because he's not with us today behind the scenes. Remember, But you know what they say, yeah, the show must go on. So our producer, Rich Jesse, is handling all the technical stuff. Father Bjorn texted us last night and he said, you know what? I totally forgot. I've got to pick up this mass at 7 a.m. So he said, uh, you know, can I, can I? O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. YouTube announced that it will remove videos disputing the 2020 presidential election. The company further claimed that its quote-unquote anti-misinformation efforts during the election were effective. YouTube has admitted to banning over 8,000 channels and thousands of videos since September, with more than 77% of videos pulled before they had 100 views. Fact-check panels have activated over 200,000 times since the November 3rd election. The Bishop of Charleston has been cleared by the Vatican over abuse claims. In a release from the Diocese of Charleston on Monday, Bishop Robert Guglielmone said that a Vatican investigation had dismissed an allegation made against him dating back to the 1970s. The lawsuit against the bishop is still pending in civil court. The 11th Circuit has lifted a ban on therapy for same-sex attraction in Florida. Robert Otto, a therapist, sued the Florida city of Boca Raton for the right to talk with clients in the privacy of his own office about their feelings of sexual attraction. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit actually examined the evidence about sexual orientation change efforts. The court stated, We understand and appreciate that the therapy is highly controversial, but the First Amendment has no carve-out for controversial speech. A U.K. court ruled against puberty blockers to protect children from dangerous medical experiments. The United Kingdom's High Court ruled last week in favor of a young woman who said she was treated as a guinea pig at the country's only gender, gender identity clinic for children and that she now regrets taking the puberty-blocking drugs she was given as a teen. The court ruled that it, it is unlikely that children under 16 are able to grasp the long-term risks and consequences and give informed consent to taking controversial puberty blockers. The U.S. has not yet taken the same step to protect vulnerable children. An Italian researcher has found more evidence that Christ was born in December of the first century B.C. Liberato De Caro of the Institute of Crystallography of the National Research Council in Bari, Italy, who led the research, proposes that the date of Jesus' birth can be ascertained through an understanding of the Jewish pilgrimages that took place at that time and how their connections with Mary's visit to Elizabeth and Mary's reaction to Elizabeth expecting John the Baptist and the death of Herod the Great point to the date of Jesus' birth taking place in December of the first century B.C. These are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. It was in uh, February 731 during the funeral procession of Pope Gregory II that the people of Rome proclaimed Gregory III the new pope. And in those days, that's kind of how it worked. The people came and said, we want this man to be the pope. Now, he was the son of a Syrian, so he was not from Italy. In fact, uh, I think outside of uh, 
John Paul II, not even John Paul II, Pope Francis. He was the first pope. He was the pope, last pope who has not been from Europe. That's what I wanted to say. He was the last pope not to be from Europe, and Francis is the is the closest example of that. Well, as Pope Gregory the Third, he had two major issues during his pontificate. The first was the iconoclasm heresy. Uh, the emperor in Constantinople, Leo the Third. He ruled all images to be banned and destroyed. Well, Gregory II had already gone to to uh, confrontation with Leo III over this issue to the point where Leo III was excommunicated by Gregory II. So when Gregory III becomes Pope in February of 731, he has to continue this struggle with Leo III. And I think it brings up a great point about what images are in our sacred tradition, in our faith, in our life, what they what they serve. And I know as a convert to the Catholic faith, how it can be very confusing to some that might think that we actually worship these idols or these these images as idols, rather. But that's not the case. That is not the, the point in, at all, as a matter of fact. We know in the Old Testament, for instance, uh, how Moses had to uh, create certain images by command of God. The angels above the Ark of the Covenant, for instance, or the angels that decorated the interior of the Holy of Holies under King Solomon. And there are other many, many examples of that. And yet at the same time, uh, graven images were forbidden, the worship of graven images. So there was a lot of confusion in the early days, in the first millennium of the church, as to what these images were and what they meant. And of course, with the rise of the the Muslims, it became even more significant of an issue. But Gregory III said, no, these images have a place and a role. We don't worship them. They are reminders of uh, those who have gone before, whether they're saints or the reminders of our Lord and Savior himself or his blessed mother. So uh, he actually uh, venerated these images in powerful ways. In fact, he gave particular attention to those of St. Peter himself. And in fact, there still is evidence in uh, Rome there at the Basilica of an oratory that Gregory III built on that spot so many centuries before. So the iconoclastic heresy was one of the issues. The other issue was the Lombards, which were a Germanic people living in the uh, Italian peninsula at the time. We're talking 8th century again. They uh, took Ravenna and they were invading. Well, he had to raise an army to defend the, the people. It got so desperate that he reached out to Charles Martel, the king of Gaul, who himself was dealing with the Muslim invasion in Europe. And he begged him twice, with great humility, I mind you, to come to the aid of the Catholics in Italy against the Lombards. And I think Gregory III was nominated to become Pope by the people because of his virtue, because of his, his, his grace, his holiness. He was a good uh, leader of, of the people, not only in a material uh, sense, but also in a spiritual one. And he gives us a great example today to see to the tasks that God sets us to, to stand for truth always, even in great difficulty, even when people in power and great authority over us say otherwise, that we should always stand for truth, and we should defend the people of God and do so with humility at times. St. Gregory the Third, pray for us. And your gospel for today comes to you from Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, Among those born of women, 
there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, real quick, before we go to our break, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the breaking stories of the day, and totalitarianism is one of the conversations we're going to have later in this uh, hour with Dorothy Cummins-McLean from LifeSite News. But, you know, Emily, uh, this is a fascinating and somewhat vague verse about the violence taking it. Did you see that? That's pretty pretty interesting. I think there's two opinions there, but have you ever read that and pondered what could the Lord mean about the kingdom of heaven heaven suffers violence and the violent are taking it by force? Yeah, I think um, I think Flannery O'Connor has a novel that uh, has that title, The Violent Bear It Away. The Violent Bear It Away. Yeah, I love that. I'm a huge fan of Flannery O'Connor, but so, I haven't read it, so I'm not sure. I'm guessing he's in the asceticism camp. Uh, she is, or she rather, <laughs> yeah. Um, somewhat. She she's known for writing violent uh, stories about grace. <laughs> so the asceticism camp is basically it says the violent take it by force, meaning that they fast, they pray, they do penance, uh, they do violence to the to their to their mortal uh, bodies, so to speak, in order to take heaven by force. So that's wow. the asceticism camp. There's another camp uh, of among scholars about this verse that would say this is a reference to to the uh, the dark times in which suffering and martyrdom will take place. And as an example of that, John the Baptist, who's specifically referenced in this passage, he himself is beheaded uh, for his. Uh, you know, preaching truth and making straight the way for the Lord to come, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus himself suffers and dies in this time. And of course, Jesus uh, says that all of his disciples whom uh, would be his disciples need to follow him to Calvary. And of course, his own disciples become martyrs as well. So it's like there's two thoughts here. There's the asceticism camp and then there's the uh, the suffering martyrdom camp about the violence that Jesus is speaking about here. But could it be that he means both? That's the question. That's interesting because I see m- most often we hear of, you know, those who are victims of violence. You know, Christ himself was a victim, but it also, scripture also says that he came to bring the sword. So, was he a ends. victim? Yes, he was a victim. I, yeah, sure, he's a victim. Yeah, but I think he, but he said, a willing in, victim. Willing victim. Mm-hmm. He, and he knew it was coming. He, he right. obviously did. John chapter 12, he said, this is the reason why I've come. Should I, should I say no to the, my father? No, of course. This is why I've come. And uh, and he, of course, rebukes St. Peter in Matthew 16 for, for wanting to avoid the cross as That's well. That's right. Get so, behind me, Satan. That's right. <laughs> By violence, we will take this thing. And uh, so anyway, fascinating verse, Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 15. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. And we're going to continue our conversation about some of the breaking stories of today. Our conversation with Dorothy Cummins McLean will be coming up later in this hour about totalitarianism. There's several stories in the headlines that I would like to chat about. First, uh, vaccines and other stories that I think are very troubling. For instance, YouTube deleting videos again? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Many 
atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Don't forget, in the next hour, we have our Catholic Trivia Game Show, Fear and Trembling. Lots of great uh, opportunity to have a little bit of fun, learn your faith a little bit, and possibly win some prizes. If you want to write down the phone number, if you want to be the contestant, we'll take the first caller uh, in the next hour at 877-757-9424. And, of course, coming up here in just about uh, 10, 12 minutes from now, we'll be speaking with Dorothy cummins McLean from LifeSite about totalitarianism. She wrote a blog post that really piqued my curiosity. It's called Survivors of Soviet Communism Are Warning the West is Becoming Totalitarian. Here's a manual for res- resisting. And uh, we'll link to that up at uh, facebook.com forward slash GRN online as well. Uh, but before we do that, there's several stories I just want to chat about, uh, Emily, this morning that I saw coming in. YouTube is at it again. Now, in 2017, YouTube changed their algorithm. Algorithm is the thing that drives uh, how you see content on all social platforms. So even Google search has, when you type in, you know, how do I fix uh, my car, you know, whatever. And Google search, it's also driven by an algorithm. Google owns YouTube, so they share uh, their algorithms across platforms. And, uh, of course, we saw in the Senate trial or the Senate hearings with the uh, CEO of Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg, that they, of course, share and cross signals with Google and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and all these other platforms. They have a back-end system where all of these uh, competing platforms actually collaborate with each other on censoring and security uh, signals. 
But in 2017, when YouTube changed their algorithm, I know because I was running a YouTube channel at the time and I was growing very well, and then they changed the entire game and things became a lot harder. YouTube, uh, they, they, they track every word you say. Mm-hmm. Whether you want them to or not, doesn't matter. They do it anyway. So they're actually creating a text version of every single word said in a YouTube video. And then they run every word by their algorithm. And if the subject matter uh, is triggered by things that they don't want on their platform, then they can have a couple of different recourses. They can ban the video. They can strike your channel. They can delete the video. They can delete your channel altogether. They have plenty of options. Mm -hmm. In a new article that came out overnight... It says, YouTube starts removing election fraud content. Experts say it's unprecedented. So at this point, they're saying, YouTube is saying at this point, we don't want to have any more conversation about election fraud. Uh, the outcome is what we say it is, and you aren't allowed to speak otherwise. And if you do, we'll delete your video or, or delete your whole channel. Doesn't that shouldn't that scare scare us, Emily? Right, and and like you were saying earlier, it's so scary the crossover now that is between all these big companies, Google, YouTube. Now, when you log in to any social media, Instagram or whatever, um, it asks you if you want to cross over your accounts. One Google account can sign you into anything today. Yes, so there's I know. All of your information, everything you sign into is all connected. And that's why you get, you know, the ads that are tar- so specifically targeted to whatever you were, you were searching or thinking about even. Yes. You know what gets me, Emily, is we, I interviewed Stephen Mosier earlier this year or maybe late last year. And he was telling us about what China was doing and has been doing for quite some time and um, how they use a mobile app to track all their citizens. Mm-hmm. And they require their citizens to log into this app every single week. And they actually have to take, they have to review Chairman Xi Jinping's latest rant about whatever. Then they get tested on that, their knowledge of it. And so depending on their score, in addition to several other key indicators, they get a social score. And that social score affects how they might travel, you know, shop or do other things. And uh, they regulate their people and their access to things through this app. And yet, um, we also see in, in communist China the total restriction of information. Mm-hmm. You know, news outlets, social sites, they have complete control over the narrative. And we are supposed to live in a free and fair country where adults can make decisions for themselves as to what to read, what to believe, what not to believe, what to share, what not to share. And yet we're being, we're being forbidden from having any conversation about things that we might want to conversate about and, right. or share it. And like we were talking about yesterday with restriction of information, like the information is power today. And in, I have in my headlines for the next uh, headline segment, uh, Jimmy Lai, who is a, a billionaire and a media tycoon, was taken into custody in the in China, mm. um, and he's the leader of the one of the few remaining independent news outlets. It's called the Apple Daily. He's a devout Catholic. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's a billionaire, so he had no reason to get himself into this kind of trouble. Um, but he just felt so strongly about free speech um, that he he to the point of going to prison. And he's seventy one years old. He's a bit elderly to be uh, detained, but. That's we, it's, it's incredible to, to see that we have the same thing here, the control of information that China has. 
um, they're getting rid of of independent news sources, as is YouTube and Google. Yes, yes, I I, I think so. Uh, the article that I'm reading about this is on the Epic Times, and mm-hmm. again, the headline is YouTube starts removing electric election fraud content. Experts say it's unprecedented. And uh, it, the, here's the statement from YouTube that they quote in the article. We will remove videos claiming that a presidential candidate won the election due to widespread software glitches or counting errors. The, the reason YouTube gave for this policy was, the, was that the December 8th safe harbor deadline for the U.S. presidential election had passed and that enough states have certified their election results to determine a president-elect. So they're like, okay, it's done. We're moving on. And I felt like, irregardless of how you feel, like I've, to be honest, I was never the biggest tr- Trump fan ever. Um, however, putting that aside, it doesn't really matter how we feel about Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anything. We either want a free and fair election or we don't. To me, it comes down to that. But I've gotten this huge feeling that, uh, ever since the election, it's like, okay, we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to contest this. We're just going to accept the results. We're just going to move on, you know, shut up, sit down, keep moving, keep going along. It's like, why can't we converse? Aren't we adults? Are we not allowed to have conversations? I thought this was a, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Right. And this is not, they're trying to make this about politics. They're trying to politicize it. It's not about politics. It's about um, having a free and fair election, being able to um, ratify our election results. Yes. Um, and right now, there's literally a court case. There are states that are going to the Supreme Court uh, because of the uh, voter fraud. And we should be able to talk about this. We shouldn't be... Um, being told that there's nothing to see that it, it's it's like a cover-up that's happening uh, it's insane okay so here's another story that i saw i think i saw this yesterday i wanted to bring it up yesterday and and it just didn't have that opportunity but this is a story that comes out of victoria australia okay now we all remember the cardinal pell trials down there right right things, that w- things have been crazy in australia things have been crazy but they're about to pass legislation that would make uh, a few things illegal in Australia, as Christians, this ought to concern us. As Catholics, this ought to concern us. Are you ready? Here's a list of things that will soon be illegal in Victoria, Australia. Not communist China, not Berlin, Victoria, Australia. Are you ready? Here ready. we go. This will be soon illegal. Advising a person not to engage in any premarital sexual activity. Or extramarital sexual activity. Any, not, not hetero or homo, doesn't matter. Any, any advice to a person regarding extramarital sexual activity could be illegal in Victoria, Australia. Uh, also could be illegal praying for someone who is struggling to maintain chastity. Praying for someone who is struggling to maintain chastity could soon be illegal in the state of Victoria in Australia. How about this? Homilies, talks, or published materials about Catholic teaching on human sexuality. Oh, no. Parts of the Catechism and John Paul II's theology of the body could soon be illegal in the state of Victoria and Australia. How about this? Support groups and ministries for individuals who wish to abide by the church's wisdom in the area of sexuality but struggle to do so. For example, courage, the group Courage which helps people with same-sex attraction, could be illegal in the state of Victoria and Australia. Uh, psychotherapeutic approaches for gender dysphoria are, or could be illegal in the state of Victoria and Australia very soon. That's insane. 
That's insane. And one of our headlines today was, thank goodness, in Florida, they've uh, lifted the ban on um, therapy for people who have same-sex attraction. So we're not quite there yet. But if the people in Australia are letting it this happen so easily, do they not see, are they like the, the you know proverbial toad in the boiling boiling water yeah um they're just letting it happen well we've already seen the uh dysphoria uh therapies being outlawed in states in the united states as well so i'm um, california for instance i think there were some states on the east coast that did did so as well um so it's not as though this is happening some far off place and we mm-hmm. never have to worry about it. I mean, that's why we're having the conversation today. We're going to be talking with Dorothy Cummins McLean about her blog post on totalitarianism in the West and uh, what people who lived under communist rule have to say about uh, how to avoid that. Uh, that's coming up here in just a few minutes. But I think these stories should not just be some far off thing that we don't worry about, but they're on our doorstep. And I don't, I think if we don't pay attention to them, we'll be in trouble. I mean, right now there are some stories related to the vaccines that are rolling out now in the uk they've been rolling out the vaccine they're already seeing trouble with the vaccine there health risks uh there people there's an article out again on the epic times that uh, says uh, uk issues allergy warning over pfizer and says if you've had strong uh reactions from an uh, allergy standpoint you shouldn't take it it says quote as as is common with new vaccines they have advised on a uh on a precautionary basis that people with significant history of allergic reactions do not receive this vaccination after two people with a history of the significant uh, allergic reactions responded adversely yesterday. There's been many, many more issues with people and their reactions to this vaccine, and yet they're still rolling it out, of course, but that's not what scares me the most. What scares me the most is how the UK is already contemplating, there are parliaments contemplating having a vaccine passport that would regulate people's comings and goings in the uk but that's not that far off from uh ontario is actually also looking at the same legislation uh ontario is is not going to mandate the vaccine necessarily but private corporations and there's a usa uh took article that came out a few days ago similarly about this in the united states it's not that the government can man- will mandate the vaccine as much as private organizations will mandate the uh, the vaccine. So, for instance, if you want to travel on an airplane, you may have to have it. What if you're against having the vaccine? Or what if what if uh, you're worried about those adverse reactions to vaccines? You know, what if you have a conscientious objection to taking the vaccines, as my family does and many families do? Are you are you not going to be able to go shopping or go to the grocery stores or or you know get on an airplane? I mean, it's a real conversation that's now popping up all over the place. I think it was New York is. Considering, according to an article on the Blaze, they're considering uh, legislation right now to mandate every single citizen in New York to take the vaccine. So there's big issues there, and we're going to be having a conversation with Dorothy Cummins McLean. But we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We'll have more breaking news and headlines for you on Catholic Drive Time. Don't forget, in the next hour, we'll have our Catholic trivia game show uh, called Fear and Trembling. Prizes are involved. You can be a part of that. Just take down the number eight seven 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 five seven. Nine four two four, and at the top of the next hour, we'll take the first caller as contestant for the game show. All that coming up, plus our conversation with Dorothy Cummins McLean from LifeSite News on totalitarianism in the West. Is it real? Should we be concerned? All that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say. 
we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hey Donnie, who was the first Pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current Pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here in just a few minutes, we'll be talking with Dorothy Cummins McLean about uh, her blog post on totalitarianism in the West. Uh, don't forget, next hour, we're going to be speaking with Father Sam Medley of the Society of the Most Holy Trinity about their virtual retreats that are going to be offered on their website. I think it's a great resource, especially in the day and the time that we live in. So we'll have that conversation in the next hour, plus the game show, all of that coming up uh, starting in the next hour. If you're looking for the Holy Mass in the next hour, well, we, we have a Holy Mass in the 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time zone there. It's a Divine Mercy Chaplet. It's the Holy Mass. It's a powerful hour. And we invite you to tune in right on your Catholic radio station in the 3 o'clock hour for both the Holy Mass and the Divine Mercy Chaplet. But let's go to the headline news with Emily Alcarez. California churches scored another victory in their cases against state coronavirus restrictions on Tuesday. The Ninth Circuit on Tuesday vacated a district court ruling against a Pentecostal church. The decision came in light of recent Supreme Court rulings favorable to churches that have challenged state COVID restrictions that disproportionately limit religious freedom. Churches have started winning their cases against state COVID restrictions as a fall surge in virus cases has prompted stricter orders from states and localities on public gatherings. The U.S. government has sued Facebook for predatory conduct. Federal, federal regulators on Wednesday sued a force to force a breakup of Facebook as 48 states and districts accused the company in a separate lawsuit of abusing its market power in social networking to crush smaller competitors. The landmark antitrust lawsuits announced by the Federal Trade Commission and New York Attorney General Letitia James mark the second major government offensive this year against seemingly untouchable tech behemoths. 
The Justice Department sued Google in October for abusing its dominance in online search and advertising. Amazon and Apple also have been under investigation in Congress and by federal authorities for alleged anti-competitive conduct. The UK has issued an allergy warning over the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Britain's medicine regulator has warned that people with a significant history of allergic reactions shouldn't receive the Pfizer vaccine against the virus after two people fell ill after getting the jab. The UK approved the Pfizer vaccine on December 2nd, becoming the first country in the world to do so. But the UK's rapid approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine drew criticism from the European Union, which said that its longer approval procedure was more appropriate, as it was based on more evidence than the UK's emergency procedure. Jimmy Lai, Hong Kong media tycoon, was taken into custody. Lai, who is a longtime backer of Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement, was denied bail last week as a campaign continues to lock up the ruling Communist Party's most prominent critics. 71-year-old Lai was detained along with two other executives from Next Digital, the media company he founded. Next Digital publishes Apple Daily, one of Hong Kong's few remaining independent news outlets, known for its pro-democracy stance. Jimmy Lai is a devout Catholic and had pre previously criticized the Vatican's secret deal with China. In his general audience on Wednesday, Pope Francis said to the faithful that even death trembles when a Christian prays because it knows that everyone who prays has an ally stronger than it has, the risen Lord. Death has already been defeated in Christ and the day will come when everything will be final and it will no longer scorn our life and our happiness. The Holy Father is continuing his cycle of catechesis on prayer, which he began in May. These have been your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for the uh, breaking stories and headline news there. Uh, joining us all the way from Scotland via Zoom chat here, Dorothy Cummins McLean. She is a Canadian journalist, essayist, and novelist. She earned the, an MA in English Literature from the University of Toronto and an MDiv from Toronto's Regis College. Good morning, uh, Dorothy. Good Thank you for being morning. on the program today. Thank you. It's good to have you on. I saw your blog post, and it really caught my attention. Uh, and I think we we are dealing with a whole bunch of stories this week in particular that are very themed along this, this line. The title of your blog post was Survivors of Soviet Communism are Warning the West is Becoming Totalitarian. Here's a manual for resisting. You can find the blog post on LifeSiteNews.com, but we're linking to it on our a video feed over at facebook.com forward slash grn online. Um, you know, just this morning, Dorothy, I was reading uh, an article about YouTube deleting videos about election fraud. Like, they're like, from now on, we're no longer conversation. We're deleting anything. If you don't get with the narrative, if you don't stay in, t in step with us, we're deleting it. And then, of course, uh, we're seeing uh, stories out of Australia where they are forbidding the teaching of Catholic theology of the body. And we're seeing stories about using the vaccine as a passport with which uh, they can control public access to things like airline flights or the movie theaters or things like that. That's in Ontario, by the way, your hometown. And, uh, and yes. even, even in the UK where you're, you're living now. Um, maybe you can give us more insight on all of that. Well, um, first of all, yes. And it's affected LifeSite News, uh, for whom I write, uh, very much because we've been banned for two weeks. 
from Facebook, which is one of the uh, one of the places where readers uh, can find us most easily, um, because Bishop Strickland said that he would not himself accept a, vac- uh, a vaccine mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, that had had the use of aborted baby cells uh, used in its production. For that, it was taken down for quote unquote medical misinformation. <laughs> wow. So. Uh, it's a it's a difficult situation because Facebook and indeed all social media has become so powerful mm. in the international, not just national, but international conversations that they, well, they wield power, uh, the kind of power that we are much more likely to um, identify with the state. So unfortunately, uh, social media companies and other companies like Amazon that in fact have more money than many states uh, seem to be calling the shots on our freedom of expression. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember, Dorothy, back in January, maybe December, January time frame, all of those crazy videos coming out of China and how they were reacting to the coronavirus, people being dragged uh, off into mystery vehicles, locked into their apartments with bars, drones chasing people. Do you remember all of that? I remember those videos, yeah. It scared the heck out of me. You know, the interesting thing is, I think I remember watching those and thinking, oh, that's so crazy. I feel so bad for these poor Chinese people having to endure this. And, oh, well, I guess I'll go get my coffee now and move on with my life. And, you know, and and the reality is um, it's on our doorstep and we have to be careful. Wasn't that sort of the the crux of your blog post there at LifeSide News? Well... Um, I first of should I should say that I enjoyed the Benedict option, and uh, there were people who criticized it because uh, they thought it took a, uh, a sort of uh, they thought it gave up they they thought it was cowardly. But I don't I I didn't read it that way at all. Mm. Um, I thought the Benedict option was about basically how to keep your kids Christian and how to keep <laughs> yourself Christian when you know there's so many incentives not to right. Um, we're, we've, okay, I, I'm going to say in general, in general, and my generation in particular, has had a soft time. Um, unless we join the military out of high school, uh, we, you know, in general, I would say we, we've had a soft time. We haven't gone hungry too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we've, we've got good beds to live in. We've got a, a very high standard of living compared to other places in the world. Okay, so this has made us, well, soft in all kinds of ways. And unfortunately, we're also uh, increasingly addicted to the Internet. And there's not yeah. really any arguing that. And mm-hmm. it's very comfortable to sit in front of the Internet getting dopamine rushes all the time. <laughs> so uh, because we're soft, uh, because we uh, are addicted to the Internet and to entertainment, um, it's very hard to pass down Christian messages <laughs> of, uh, you know, the value of poverty, et cetera, to our kids, not to mention trying to, to live them out ourselves. Okay, so that's one thing. So we really have to wake up ourselves and examine our own lives to see if we are really living the gospel messages ourselves. So that's, that's the first thing. The second of all, we have to live with and uh, we have to create bridges. Well, not create bridges. We have to, we have to 
socialize with other people who also want to be Christians, who also want to bring up their kids Christians, mm. despite mm-hmm. all the messages around, all the fun stuff just saying, you know, you're, you're, you really should be concentrating on maximum happiness, not on, on following the gospel. Okay, it's maximum earthly happiness, however people are selling that. So um, I thought that Rod had some really good ideas there. And then uh, when he was writing Live But Not By Lies, mm-hmm. he was talking to people who managed to remain Christians and to bring their children up as Christians uh, in the face of hard totalitarianism. And he makes the argument that we're living a kind of soft totalitarianism that's going to make our lives somewhat harder. However, what I brought out in my review is that Rod, and Rod later wrote to me saying the, the book, the book, um, he handed in the book before the pandemic started in, in North America. So he, he didn't have a space. He couldn't write an afterword or a, a preface saying, <laughs> oh, gosh. But the point I made was that the very things that Rod said would protect us all from soft totalitarianism, which were strong family bonds, small groups in which we could read and study and support each other, and the, uh, the practice of our religious faith. All of these things have been greatly um, damaged by the uh, shutdowns, the coronavirus shutdowns. Yeah. The very thing he thought would be the bulwark of our continued Christianity are, are basically banned. You can't see your elderly people uh, in uh, the nursing homes. Uh, you, are, you are discouraged from celebrating important national and religious feasts together. Mm-hmm. Um, children are held out as being, you know, uh, super spreaders. You know, children, children. Uh, <laughs> of course, the science says otherwise, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, right, uh, many places people are banned from going to church or church services are very curtailed. And unfortunately, in some places, bishops have jumped ahead of the government to have even stricter regulations than the government has asked for. Mm. We saw that down in England. Um, uh, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, small cells. Uh, in Scotland, it is illegal to visit each other's homes. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, so, you you know, maybe you can go out, if it's not raining, you can go out in a park and, you know, have your 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 Bible and uh, readings of the early church fathers in a park together in a group of no more than six. But that that's what we've got. We're talking with Dorothy Cummins McLean. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and continue our conversation. Uh, we're talking about her blog post over at LifeSiteNews.com. We're linking to it, of course, but it's called Survivors of the Soviet Communism are Warning the West is Becoming Totalitarian. Here's a manual for resisting that. So, Dorothy, hold on right there. We're going to be right back more here on Catholic Drive Time. Uh, but I think it's an important conversation for us because if we enjoy our religious liberties, if we enjoy our freedom, then... We should pay attention to what's going on around us and not let that slip through our fingers. Bad things happen when we do that. All that's coming up in our conversation, plus much more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Happy Drive Time. If someone asked you to divine love, what would you say? Happy, wonderful feelings? 
butterflies? These might describe what love feels like, but none of these are really love. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI says in Deus Caritas Est that love looks to the eternal. Love is indeed ecstasy, not in the sense of a moment of intoxication, but rather as a journey, an ongoing exodus out of the closed, inward-looking self towards its liberation through self-giving. Whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. If we look to Christ as our example of love, we find that love is a gift of oneself for the salvation of the other. It is the continual dying of my selfishness so that I may lead my spouse and my children to heaven. An amazing thing happens when we decide to truly love. By focusing on the salvation of our spouse and children, we find ourselves on the road to heaven as well. Find more at balancedfamiliesministries.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and we're talking with Dorothy Cummins McLean about her blog post over at LifeSiteNews.com. Survivors of Soviet communism are warning the West is becoming totalitarian. And just before the break, Dorothy, you were talking about uh, the situation in Scotland where you live and how you're not allowed to visit each other, your neighbors, your friends, your family. And I think uh, we saw a report out of the TFP that they're doing the same thing in Ireland as well, but maybe you can pick up there. We have about a, a five or six minutes left in our conversation with Dorothy Cummins-McLean. Okay. Um, we are, we've are. we been blessed in Scotland that we can still go to Mass. Praise God. So, yeah, yeah, praise God. So we've been able to uh, – I'll never forget – the last mass we were allowed in Edinburgh, uh, last open open public mass we were allowed in Edinburgh, which was uh, it was uh, St Joseph's Day. It's St Joseph's Day, and of course St Joseph is the patron of a good death. So we <laughs> sang at the end of, uh, of mass that we had this, this sort of dirge, you know, uh, help us teach us teach us how to die. You know, that was the, uh, <laughs> that's great. And now, you know, we, we kind of somberly went out, uh, not knowing if we'd be at mass the next Sunday, and indeed we were not. So um, it, it was some months before we were allowed back uh, to go to publicly to Mass. Uh, and uh, we were, <laughs> our priest told us we shouldn't be celebrating, we should be angry that Mass had been taken away from us. And uh, that uh, harshed my buzz, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had, he, had a, he had a good point, uh, obviously. So Ireland, um, I am under the impression that public Masses ha- are still banned there. But, you know, Joe, one of the difficulties about the, the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the church closures is that things change all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what is driving people crazy. And, you know, 
large numbers of people are, are now in need of psychological help. And no wonder, since we've all been atomized, uh, we've been terrified since March, or people have been terrifying us since March, mm. or even before that with the Chinese footage. And I'm st- starting to think that that Chinese footage was put there to scare us to death. It was, um, you know, cons- compare compare what we were seeing unfold across social media platforms, all of this leaked Chinese footage, and it was pretty crazy, very draconian. It was uh, it was wild. Um, compare that yeah, to what we have time, seen. I thought it was... Like I was going to say, compare that to how the West has dealt with Corona. Have we seen people being dragged off in mysterious cars? Have we seen people being barred into their uh, houses or their apartment complexes by you know metal bars? And and uh, it, we, we haven't seen anything quite like that. I mean, I know there was some talk about getting drones to chase people in the United States, but I don't think that's happened, thankfully. Uh, so it does seem like that was a, a propaganda of some sorts. I agree with you. I think that was the part of scaring us to death. Um, I, uh, well, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to say anything that I, I, I can't back up with, you know, more than one source. <laughs> but my impression now is that that certainly was scary, and we were certainly terrified in March. Uh, and I, then, and then I think we were angry because uh, in Scotland, for example, the police would do such a, or a few overzealous policemen. I won't say all, but at least one, at least one overzealous policeman. <laughs> Was stopping, was stopping women uh, coming back home from their shopping to see if their shopping had things that he determined were necessary. I wow. So, so, yeah, so there was a woman who was, uh, I, she may have been fined or maybe she just got a talking to, but certainly she was spoken to by the police officer for having wine and, and uh, crisps, which means potato chips. So she had potato chips and wine in her bag, and those weren't essentials, etc. So the uh, overzealous policeman uh, is, is unfortunately something that, that uh, we've had to cope with here in the UK. With the last uh, three, three, four minutes we have left with you, Dorothy, uh, again, we're speaking with Dorothy Cummins McLean from LifeSiteNews.com and her blog, uh, Sur- Survivors of Soviet Communism, are warning the West is becoming totalitarian. Here's a manual for resisting. I encourage you to check it out and, and to give it a read. Um, do you think that we are in the West going to be seeing uh, darker days ahead as far as totalitarian goes? I mean, there's talks in this article about uh, the USSR and what life was like in those conditions, or even in uh, the anti-Catholic 16th century of England, which I'm very fond of reading the saint stories, the martyr stories from that time period. Uh, living in uh, secret societies, masses said in in uh, craftily uh, constructed, hidden priest holes and and chapels and and fancy homes. Uh, what 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 say you, Dorothy Cummins McLean? Well, I don't think we're going to be hung, drawn, and quartered. So that's praise good. be to Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, but uh, underground mass is already being said. Yes, of course. Yeah, so yeah, we we're back. I never thought that would happen in my lifetime, not in the West, but it has happened. So anyway, there we go. We already have underground masses. Um, and I think things, I think, yeah, I think we are going to have to sacrifice. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think uh, people who don't want to take the vaccine are going to see their freedom to travel uh, curtailed. And yes. I'm sorry to say that. I'm really sorry to say that. That that's, It's devastating to me. It, it's personally devastating to me the thought that I might not be able to go home to see my family in Canada if I don't take uh, the vaccine. Yes. And I am not prepared to take the vaccine yet um, because uh, it's a new vaccine. 
Um, I am not, I'm, I'm in my forties still <laughs> for the time being. Praise God. I don't feel that I'm, I don't feel that I personally am at risk of, uh, of a serious uh, bout of coronavirus if I indeed have not already had it and not noticed. Mm. Well, I'm, pr- um, I'm pretty sure my wife and I had it back in January, and it was a week of not much fun. We never went to the hospital. Uh, my wife is, uh, we were very crunchy people, let's just say. So we were able to slog through it, and we survived mm-hmm. it. And I know that there are people who don't. There are people who get very sick. But at the same time, I fear for our, our, our religious freedoms and our civil liberties that are at great stake by using this as a means to an end to push us forward in a direction I don't think we ought to go. But we're out of time. Dorothy cummins McLean, thank you for being on with us and sharing uh, your insights and your blog post over at LifeSiteNews.com. We're very grateful to you. Thank you. Happy to be here. God bless you, Dorothy. Have a great day. Let's pray for uh, all of us, but in particular, the the great uh, Catholics over in Scotland and, and Ireland and the UK who are dealing with some of it a little faster than I think the rest of us here in America and in Canada. But anyway, don't uh, don't go anywhere. Stick around because in the second hour we're going to have the great game show, the Catholic trivia game show, Fear and Trembling. Plus, Father Sam Medley will be on. Uh, so, still a lot more to come. Plus, breaking stories and news all coming up here in just a few minutes on Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. God love you. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Many who live the homosexual lifestyle attempt to justify their behavior by saying their same-sex attraction is natural for them. That's to say they didn't choose it. But is this justification reasonable? I answer no, and here's why. First, an individual's inclination or desire can't be the standard for morally evaluating human behavior. Such logic leads to the justification of any behavior, even ones we intuitively recognize as immoral. Second, the objection associates the term natural merely with an individual's tendency, as opposed to tendencies that are common to our nature as human beings. That's to say, those tendencies that belong to our species as such and target objective goods that perfect our nature. An individual's same-sex attraction might be independent of his or her choice, but that doesn't make it natural in the sense of giving moral justification to act on it. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In the Old Testament, Joshua confronts the Israelites as they prepare to leave their life in the desert to enter the Promised Land. He knows that the negative influences of Egypt and the surrounding Canaanite peoples are strong, and so he gives them a choice. Worship either the idols of the land or the one true God who delivered them from the land of Egypt. But why would the Israelites choose false idols over a God whose power they witnessed so clearly? Worshipping the God who performed so many clear signs seems like the obvious choice, right? But Joshua knew that the lures of the world had already blurred their vision. Sound familiar? We too are pressured to fit in for the sake of success in this world. Joshua did not waver. He said, 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which God will you choose today, the gods of the land or the one true God? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news. K-A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Welcome to uh, Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to Jesus. If you're looking for the Holy Mass, God is so very good. The Holy Mass is at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., all across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Tune in right here on your favorite Catholic radio station, right here at 3 o'clock in the Holy Hour. Uh, There's a Divine Mercy Chaplet plus the Holy Mass, so we invite you to that. Today on the show and this hour, we're going to have a great time. We not only have the greatest Catholic trivia game in radio history ever, 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 ever. Uh, it's called Fear and Trembling, by the way. We stole that straight from St. Paul, Philippians 2.12. Uh, and prizes are involved. So if you want to be a contestant in that, we'll take the first caller uh, at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's coming up in about 10 minutes from now. 877-757-9424. The first caller will be our contestant. And uh, guess what? You don't even have to know the right answers to the questions. We'll take care of that for you. So it's super easy. Prizes are involved. It's going to be a good time. That's coming up. But then also later in this hour, we're going to be talking with Father Sam Medley, a priest of the Society of the Most Holy Trinity, about the virtual retreat catalog that they have available, uh, which is uh, quite awesome. And we're very excited to share that with the world. So we're going to have a great conversation coming up. And last hour, we spoke with Dorothy Cummins McLean about her blog post over at LifesideNews.com. If you haven't heard that hour, I encourage you to check out the videos online and or get the podcast version. And you can uh, do that on our website at GRN Online. But uh, good morning, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. Praise God. How are you doing? Doing well. You know, it, it, it was a little chilly this morning for was Houston. It? I think so. Maybe I'm just cold all the time. But <laughs> it wasn't that it was, bad, I don't think. I mean, uh, it was probably, what is it, 40-some degrees maybe? I don't know. It's getting a little cooler anyway. Yeah, Praise I'm, God. Yeah, I'm originally from Chicago, but I think being in Houston has weakened me. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Chicago, how cold does it get? It gets down to... Oh, it gets pretty cold. Does it? Like, they call it the Windy City for a reason. Oh, that's actually because of the politicians. Ouch. <laughs> 
But I'm bummed. Good morning, Adrian Fonseca. Howdy, howdy. Praise God, our producer, the man on the ones and twos. You know what that means now, On the right? ones and twos. I do now. The first hour, he uh, <laughs> he learned me about ones and twos. Apparently, it has something to do with records and scratching and, I don't know, something something old people do. <laughs> the producer of our show, Adrian Fonseca, is the man spinning all the plates behind uh, the scenes here today, so we're very grateful for him. But uh, before we jump into the headline news and breaking stories, let's draw all of our intentions together. Your intentions, my dear listener, do you have any uh, health needs, any uh, any needs in your family, your friends, just asking for the precious blood of Jesus to cover you today and to help you with whatever you must face and uh, endure throughout your day and may be a great a peaceful one. And we also have our intentions too here on the team and on the Guadalupe Radio Network and beyond. Let's bring them to Our Lady that she may whisper them into the ear of her son, that we may be filled with his grace and be drawn ever so closely into the sacred heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. YouTube has announced that it will remove videos disputing the 2020 presidential election. The company further claimed that it's quote-unquote anti-misinformation efforts during the election were effective. YouTube has admitted to banning over 8,000 channels and thousands of videos since September, with more than 77% of videos pulled before they had 100 views. Fact-check panels have activated over 200,000 times since the November 3rd election. The Bishop of Charleston has been cleared by the Vatican over abuse claims. In a release from the Diocese of Charleston on Monday, Bishop Robert Guglielmone said that a Vatican investigation had dismissed an allegation made against him dating back to the 1970s. The lawsuit against the bishop is still pending in civil court. The 11th Circuit has lifted a ban on therapy for same-sex attraction in Florida. Robert Otto, a therapist, sued the Florida city of Boca Raton for the right to talk with clients in the privacy of his office about their feelings of sexual attraction. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit examined the evidence about sexual orientation change efforts and stated, We understand and appreciate that the therapy is highly controversial, but the First Amendment has no carve-out for controversial speech. A U.K. court ruled against puberty blockers to protect children from dangerous medical experiments. The United Kingdom's High Court ruled last week in favor of a young woman who said she was treated as a guinea pig at the country's only gender identity clinic for children and that she regrets taking the puberty-blocking drugs she was given as a teen. The court ruled that it is unlikely that children under 16 are able to grasp the long-term risks and consequences and give informed consent to taking controversial puberty blockers. The U.S. has not yet taken the same step to protect vulnerable children. An Italian researcher has found more evidence that Christ was born in December in the first century B.C. Liberato De Caro of the Institute of Crystallography of the National Research Council in Bari, Italy, who led the research, proposes that the date of Jesus' birth can be ascertained through an understanding of the Jewish pilgrimages that took place at that time and how their connections with Mary's visit to Elizabeth and Mary's reaction to Elizabeth expecting John the Baptist 
and the death of Herod the Great point to the date of Jesus' birth taking place in December in the first century B.C. These are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Before we jump into the saint of the day and the gospel of the day, we're looking for our contestant for the uh, Catholic Trivia Game Show coming up here in just a few minutes. If you want to be in on that, the phone number to call is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll take the first caller, and prizes are involved. It's going to be super fun. 877-757-9424. Pope St. Gregory the Third, pray for us. He was uh, born of a Syrian father. He became the 90th Pope by popular acclamation in February to 731, 8th century here. Uh, he was uh, a part of the procession of the funeral mass of Pope, uh, Pope Gregory the Second, not a saint, and the people all just rang out and wanted him to become the next Holy Father. Why? Because he was virtuous. He was known for his piety, for his virtue, and for his ability to govern, which was very important in the 8th century when there was a power vacuum in the West and you still had the uh, emperor over in the East. You had Muslims invading Europe and other parts. You had dissension and breaking up of, of Christian countries between each other and fighting, and it was just a hot mess. And here is this incredible man who was able to step into the void and help to bring order and to bring peace. Now, as Pope, he had two major issues. He had two major issues that he had to deal with uh, as Pope. First was the iconoclastic heresy. Essentially, Pope, or not Pope, rather, Emperor Leo III over in Constantinople had outlawed all imagery as evil and even had them destroyed. Well, Gregory II actually excommunicated Leo III. Gregory III had to continue that struggle with Leo, sending delegates over there, holding synods and more. And Gregory III loved the icons. He understood their valuable role in our life and in our faith. Uh, he knew that these images were, were to be venerated, not to be worshipped. There's a difference, but to be venerated. Much like I would look on a picture of my wife with great fondness and love and tenderness, I might look on an image of Our Lady, Our Blessed Mother, with the same sort of fondness and tenderness. And uh, and he understood that. Well, in fact, he would build many churches and decorate them ornately. He gave particular attention to any of uh, the icons and relics of St. Peter himself. In fact, there's still evidence of an oratory built by Gregory III there on Vatican Hill. The other issue that uh, Gregory III had to deal with uh, quite a lot was the invasion of the Lombards. Now, Lombards were Germanic peoples living in Italy, and they were trying to take over. Well, they took over, uh, you know, a part uh, of Italy that he had to fight back for in Ravenna. So he built an army, and he went and fought for these poor Catholic people being persecuted. And then he had to, with great humility, reach out to Charles Martel, King of France, and ask him for help. But Martel was actually... Uh, occupied at the time with trying to fight off the Muslim invasion coming from Spain. And twice uh, Gregory III wrote to him, and on the second time, with great uh, humility, begging him to come to their rescue. So Pope St. Gregory III gives us a wonderful example of a man who does the right thing, speaks up for the right thing no matter what, and no matter who says it's wrong, uh, even if he's an emperor, you still must say and tell the truth, and that is Gregory III. Pray for us, Pope St. Gregory.
the third. Your gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. Jesus said to the crowds, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there have been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. That's an interesting verse there, Emily. Uh, the violence, right? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. Yeah, what do you think that first line means? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence? Is that like the gates of hell, of hell you know? Shall not prevail? Right, that kind of thing. Uh, well, it's an interesting verse. When I looked up the commentary on this, it's it's vague, right? So mm-hmm. there are two camps that I can tell uh, that regard this verse. One camp is the asceticism camp, and that camp says this violence is our prayer, our fasting, our penance, our asceticism to uh, to get up early and to eat less and to pray more and to uh, oh, be on our knees, I and, see. you know, and mm-hmm. and by violence against the world, the flesh, and the devil, we are. Taking heaven. So there's that camp. And then there's the other camp that says the violence is the end times or the times of martyrdom. For instance, John the Baptist, referenced here as an Old Testament prophet, the law, the prophets, they all look to the Messiah, right, as the mm-hmm. fulfillment. But John the Baptist lost his head, literally, on a platter. Right. And this, so pretty violent, I would say. Yeah. And, and this just reminds me that our power is not, um, you know, in material power, but it's in our virtue. And this is something that, you know, I was reading our headlines about Jeremy or, or Jimmy Lai, the uh, uh, Hong Kong journalist who was um, taken into custody. Yeah. And he, he gave a talk, a Catholic talk, and he was saying the same thing. He you know, the Com- Chinese Communist Party, it seems so powerful on the outside, but we as the Catholic Church have more power because we have the power of, of God and of virtue. Yeah. Um, and so that's yeah, important to remember that, yes, fasting and penance and asceticism is powerful. Amen. Uh, speaking of asceticism, I know uh, there's a young man named Elijah watching us on a humongous living room television right now for, from our uh, YouTube feed. Good morning, Elijah. Praise be to Jesus. Hope you're praying today, doing some asceticism, capturing the kingdom of heaven by violence. Uh, you know, that would be awesome to see today. But uh, if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, Twitter, or on Facebook, which you can find us on all three platforms at GRN Online, we'd love to have you there. By the way, we are still looking for our contestant this morning. Elijah, you might be able to be up for that. All you got to do is call 877-757-9424, 877 We'll take the first caller for the uh, Catholic Trivia Game Show coming up. Uh, and prizes are involved. Have I mentioned the prizes? They're involved. 877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca, what are you? You're awfully quiet this morning when it comes to violence uh, taking heaven. What, what say you, Adrian Violence Fonseca? in heaven? What are we talking about? <laughs> um, I was uh, trying. I'm looking for um, just work, running some things behind the board. But uh, the violence from heaven. Can you tell me what what exactly what we're talking about? <laughs> the Adrian, uh, the man on the ones and twos, spinning all the plates in the background. It's uh, it's a hard job, but he does it well. You know, the, the John the Baptist, who represents the Old Testament prophets, the law and the prophets. Uh, all face towards the Messiah, the fulfillment uh, in Jesus Christ. And so John plays this pivotal role. As Jesus says here, he is Elijah, the one who is to make straight the path. 
Uh, and yet he makes this, this, our Lord makes this interesting verse. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. And again, I think it falls into two camps, asceticism and or martyrdom. Uh, but I, I think I argue could be both. Why not? Both and. I think definitely both. Um, the, in the kingdom of heaven suffering the violence of our prayers and our fasting, um, I mean, we, we're strong. We can be strong if we, if we, to yeah. fight the, you know, the demons of, we're talking about all this sort of problems that are going on in the headlines today. Um, are, are, sometimes we might feel helpless, helpless, but we have to remember that when we feel powerless to fight, you know, against big tech or big pharma or whatever, we can pray. We can still pray. We still have that strength. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Well, that's your gospel today. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with our game show, Fear and Trembling. We'd love to have you a part of that, uh, 877-757-9424. We do have prizes that we're giving out, and you don't even need to know the right answers to the questions. So it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody. It's a good time. It's coming up here in just a few minutes. And uh, just a correction, the Divine Mercy Chaplet in on the East Coast does still air in the 3 p.m. hour along with the Holy Mass. So tune in for that right here on Catholic Drive Time. Coming up next, Fear and Trembling, the game show you're not going to want to miss. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, What have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are involved. Praise be to Jesus Christ. It's a fun time. It's a good show. We want you to be a part of it. Uh, all you got to do is call 877-757-9424. We'll go to the, uh, the first caller. Tell them what they could win, Emily. All right. So today's sponsor is Sophia Institute Press. They're our sponsor for the week. Um, you might recognize them as the publisher of some of your favorite classic Catholic books, uh, spiritual reading, but also new titles they have as well. For example, uh, this week we're giving away Raymond DeRoyo's new Christmas book called The Spider Who Saved Christmas. It's a great book. It's beautiful and your children will love it. All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, so this is how the game works. Okay. So there's three questions and we don't even ask the caller the questions. What we do is we ask either Emily or we ask uh, Adrian the questions and uh, we say uh, you get a 15 second opportunity to determine who is right and who is wrong. So Emily will have an answer and uh, Adrian will have an answer and uh, the caller. All you have to do is decide who is right, who is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds to try. Now, you get three opportunities at this, so it's a 50-50 chance on all three opportunities. Every right answer goes into the the fishbowl of divine providence, as we're calling it, and at the end of the week, we draw out a name, and we send them a prize thanks to our sponsor, Sophia Institute Press. So, now, I think we're ready to go to the callers and see who we got here. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's talk with uh, Annabelle. Annabelle, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Praise be to Jesus, I'm alive. Annabelle, we're so glad to have you on. Where are you from, Annabelle? I'm from Frisco. Frisco? Nice. What parish do you attend? St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi. Praise be to Jesus, Annabelle. So, do you understand how the rules work? You get three questions, but we don't ask you. We ask Emily and Adrian. They're each going to give us an answer. One will be right. One will be wrong. All you will have to do, Annabelle, is to decide who is right and who is wrong. And every right question you get to, you get a chance at winning the prize this week. Does that that sound fair? Sounds great. May the Holy Spirit help me. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Now, we only use the easy questions here, Annabelle, so it's going to be great. Right. Okay. Are you ready? Is everybody ready? Ready. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Here we, ready. Here we go, Annabelle. We're going to ask the questions to Emily and Adrian. Uh, Emily, we'll start with you. Okay. I'm ready. What is the term for a truth which cannot we oh, let me start over. What is the term for a truth which we cannot fully understand? A truth that we cannot fully understand. A truth that we cannot fully understand. Um, I'm going to go with, I think it's a mystery, because a mystery is something, God is a mystery. We call it the mystery of our faith. Okay, you're going to go on with mystery. You're yeah. On the, you're on the board for mystery. All right, Adrian, what is a truth... That we cannot fully understand. A truth that we cannot fully understand. Um, I'm going to say a moral uncertainty. That's a, my guess. A there moral you go. uncertainty. Okay, so Emily's on the board for a mystery, and Adrian is on the board for a moral uncertainty. Annabelle, you have 15 seconds to decide who is right, who is wrong. Annabelle, what say you? Emily. Yeah, wow, that was, that was quick. Oh, my goodness. That was like a half a second Annabelle response. knows her stuff, yeah. Wow. Annabelle, you sound very confident. Uh, okay, so survey says... Woo! Yay, congratulations. 
congratulations, Annabelle. You're already in the bowl, the fishbowl of divine providence and possibly could win our prize thanks to Sophia Institute Press. Congratulations, oh. you're in the bowl. You get two more chances, though. Are you ready to go, Annabelle? Oh, all right. Let's do it. All right. The more chances, the better your odds at winning uh, the prize. Okay, here we go. We started with Emily last time. This time, we're going to start with Adrian, I think. Here we go. Um, <laughs> okay, I got a question. This one's a good one. I like this one. Are you ready? Adrian Fonseca. Ooh, here we go. Now, Annabelle, I think, is going to know this, but I think you're going to be at, at, a, at a disadvantage due to your young age. My young age. Here you go. What was the name of the Russian Pope in the 1958 movie, The Shoes of the Fisherman, portrayed by Anthony Quinn. <laughs> well, the, uh, I've seen this the, film a few times. The Fisherman's what? Okay, I'll repeat the question. Okay. What was the name of the Russian Pope in the 1958 movie, The Shoes of the Fisherman, portrayed by Anthony Quinn? So the name of okay. the name of his po- the, the Pope that he played in the movie was what? So I don't know the movie, pope but I'm going to guess blank. you're looking at a Russian pope, so I'm going to guess Pope Krill the 1st. Wow. That's my guess. Okay. okay. You're on the board for Pope Krill the 1st. All right, Emily, your turn. What was the name of the Russian pope in the 1958 movie The Shoes of the Fisherman portrayed by the great Anthony Quinn? Oh dear, I don't think I've seen this film. Um, no, I, I couldn't imagine. There's but I do know there is a lot of Pope Piuses, so just statistically speaking, I'm going to go with Pope Pius. You're on the board for Pope Pius. <laughs> yes. Pope Pius che- the cheating. what? 13th? Uh, Pope Pius. <laughs> what, one of those. You would have had to have been the 13th since the last one was the 12th. But, okay. What? Thir- well, Pope Pius the 12th died. He would have had to have been the 13th. Oh, 1954, Pius. huh? Yeah, 58. Huh. It's talking about oh, 58. 58. The movie you can't Man, have no idea what we're talking about. We're just like <laughs> guessing over here. All right. So Emily's on the board for Pius. Uh, Adrian is on the board for Krill. Annabelle, you got 15 seconds to decide who's right, who's wrong. Annabelle, what say you? Emily. You're on the board for Pius. Yes. Okay. Good to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you nobody's you seen s- this movie. Have you seen the film, Annabelle? No. <laughs> See, I told you nobody's seen Neither this movie. Have I. <laughs> All right. Survey says. Oh, oh no! So sorry, Annabelle. I'm sorry. In fact, the name of the character was Pope Krill the First. Amazing. That was amazing. A good, a good I'm guess, a genius. Adrian. There it's you a go. very interesting film. I recommend you check it out. The Shoes of the Fisherman, 1958, Anthony Quinn. Good film. Uh, if especially if you like JP2 or Pope Francis, I think you'll find a lot there in this film. Okay, moving on to the third question. Let's see. Here we go. Uh, oh, I got it. Here we go. Are you ready? Ready. Let, well, back to Emily first time. Here we go. Emily, are you ready? Ready. What patron saint should the sick pray to well uh there's lots of them but i i would say my first thought is our lady of lords because you know when she appeared there was that healing uh fountain of water and people go to lords to be healed so i'm gonna go with our lady of lords our lady of lords as uh fulton sheen would say our lady of lords okay emily's on the board for lords adrian what say you who should the sick pray to oh that's that's incredibly difficult there's like a lot of saints that are saints of sick uh i'm gonna go with i was reading scripture the other day and talking about 
the uh, the pond of water where the the, um, the man had to try to go into try to be healed. And legend has it that that was actually Saint Raphael's uh, water. So I'm going to go with Saint Raphael. Raphael. Is it Raphael or Raphael? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. So uh, Emily's on the board for Our Lady of Lourdes. And uh, Adrian is on the board for Raphael or Raphael. I can't tell which. Uh, Annabelle, you got 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you, Annabelle? I say St. Camillus. Hey, Camillus. <laughs> she didn't agree with either one of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise be to Jesus. Okay, let, let's pretend that one of them has the correct answer, though, Annabelle. Which of these two answers oh, would you oh. most agree with? Um, They're both kind of right. So I'll go with Emily because of Lady Lourdes. And St. Sure. Raphael, too. Oh, my gosh. St. Uh, Raphael. Uh, St. Raphael. Survey says... Oh, no, sorry, that was wrong. <laughs> she said Our Lady of Lords first. She said yeah. Lords first. Uh, how about we go with... Uh... I think that's the correct answer because, you know what, all of the saints intercede for us and all of the saints can help heal us. So, Annabelle, I'm going to put your name in the bowl of divine providence. <laughs> Congratulations, Annabelle. Your name is in two times. Um, you did very well. Thank you very much for joining us today. The... Uh, the- the, yes. the demon of technology is harassing us again today. So yes. blood of Jesus Christ, cast him out and give us peace on our technology. That'd be yeah, wonderful. Yeah, what's the patron saint of tech? Uh, Annabelle, <laughs> congratulations. We're going to put you into the bowl of uh, the, the fish bowl of divine providence, as they say. Uh, twice. You're going to go in there twice, I think. Two yeah. entries. So praise God. Congratulations. Tune in on Friday, which is tomorrow. And stay on the line so we can get your information. And we will draw out a winner. Could be you, Annabelle. And if so, we will send you our prize from Sophia Institute Press. Congratulations, Annabelle. Thank you for being a part of our program today. God bless you, too. Don't go anywhere, dear family. Stick around for more Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We have Father Sam Medley coming up next. We'll be right back. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now, the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Carlo. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! 
Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's having a relationship with George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Thursday morning headlines. California churches scored another victory in their cases against state coronavirus restrictions on Tuesday. The Ninth Circuit vacated a district court ruling against a Pentecostal church. The decision came in light of recent Supreme Court rulings favorable to churches that have challenged state COVID restrictions that disproportionately limit religious freedom. Churches have started winning their cases against state COVID restrictions as a fall surge in virus cases has prompted stricter orders from states and localities on public gatherings. The U.S. government has sued Facebook for predatory conduct. Federal regulators on Wednesday sued to force a breakup on Facebook uh, as 48 states and districts accused the company in a separate lawsuit of abusing its market power in social networking to crush smaller competitors. The landmark antitrust lawsuits announced by the Federal Trade Commission and New York Attorney General Letitia James mark the second major government offensive this year against seemingly untouchable tech behemoths. The Justice Department sued Google in October for abusing its dominance in online search and advertising. Amazon and Apple also have been under investigation in Congress by federal authorities for alleged anti-competitive conduct. The UK has issued an allergy warning over the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Britain's medicine regulator has warned that people with a significant history of allergic reactions shouldn't receive the Pfizer vaccine against the virus after two people became very ill. The UK approved the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine on December 2nd, becoming the first country in the world to do so. But the UK's rapid approval of the Pfizer vaccine drew criticism from the European Union, which said that its longer approval procedure was more appropriate, as it was based on more evidence than the UK's emergency procedure. Jimmy Lai, Hong Kong media tycoon, was taken into custody. Lai, who is a longtime backer of Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement, was denied bail last week, as a campaign continues to lock up the ruling Communist Party's most prominent critics. 71-year-old Lai was detained along with two other executives from Next Digital, the media company he founded. Next Digital publishes Apple Daily, one of Hong Kong's few remaining independent news outlets, known for its pro-democracy stance. Jimmy Lai is a devout Catholic and had previously criticized the Vatican's secret deal with China. In his general audience on Wednesday, Pope Francis said to the faithful that even death trembles when a Christian prays because it knows that everyone who prays has an ally stronger than it has, the risen Lord. Death has already been defeated in Christ, and the day will come when everything will be final, and it will no longer scorn our life and our happiness. The Holy Father is continuing his cycle of catechesis on prayer, which he began in May. These have been your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for the uh, breaking news and headlines. Uh, Before we jump on our conversation with Father Sam Medley of the uh, Society of the Most Holy Trinity, 
Uh, I want to remind you that uh, you can catch the podcast version of this uh, show, Catholic Drive Time, on our website at grnonline.com. But you can also find us on several social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Instagram. You can either search for at grnonline, which is one of the best places to look for us. But Catholic Drive Time has some presence also on Instagram in particular and on Twitter. And I'm posting personally over at Parlor, if you want to uh, see some of my feed over there, you can check me out on Parlor just by searching for me, Joe McLean, or at Catholic Hack H A C K. And uh, with that, let's jump on our conversation, our call with Father Sam Medley via a Zoom chat from his beautiful church and shrine down in Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning, Father Sam Medley. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise Jesus, I'm alive. That counts. Thanks be to God. You know, this year I saying that as a greeting is more than accomplishment. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I survived 2020. I well, I survived this morning so far. Praise be to Jesus yeah. for that. But uh, got some oil for the machine here. <laughs> amen. It's been a long time. I've known Father Sam going back probably to 2008. I think is when we first met and. Uh, Back then, you were a very young and spry uh, priest of of the Salt Order, and it was a pleasure to be able to uh, work with you on several occasions in my previous work. Uh, and you've been all over the world as a missionary. Maybe you can start by giving us the nickel tour of your life as a priest and, oh, wow. and your background. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I started probably about uh, the year 2000, really, uh, joining a missionary order. They immediately sent me to Central America where I worked on the border of Belize and Guatemala. Wow. And uh, was that was my aspirancy. They're saying, if you want to join a missionary, you've got to be a missionary. So they sent us first off to uh, a last resort high school, teaching at a last resort high school in, uh, in Belize. And then after that, was immediately shuttled off to Rome to meet our founder, where he had a, a novitiate and lived there and, and studied there, actually theology, at the Angelicum. And... Uh, you know, briefly right after that, uh, shuttled off to the Philippines for five years to complete my training there in missionary uh, priesthood mm. and was ordained a deacon and came back to the United States briefly. And after that was sent to Europe to a very interesting mission field there, uh, lived in on the outskirts of London uh, in England. And then went back to the Philippines again, and boom, I'm here back in Texas. So it's been, <laughs> wow. it really has been connected dots. At one point, I think I had three driver's license, three <laughs> SIM cards, and three bank accounts in oh, uh, England, Philippines, and uh, the United States. And I was like, who am I? Am I Jason Bourne or something? You know, <laughs> so which passport am I picking up? <laughs> being in these different places. Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, and then I probably learned about um, 12 different languages from all of that. 12 languages. Wow. That's incredible. That is amazing. I knew I knew back in the early days uh, when we, you and I used to talk a lot, uh, you had a great desire to go to Russia as a missionary. That never still seemed do, to... and I still speak that, Russian. And, uh, is that right? Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Actually, it was, uh, actually, I met a, a Russian bishop. Um, he serves with a Bishop Schneider in Kazakhstan, mm. uh, Bishop Thomas Peta. Mm. And we had mass together in Thailand, of all places. Really? A, a mission, Asian Mission Congress. And he said, you know, you, don't, you speak Russian without accent. <sighs> and I was like, what? I, I never heard that. So I speak <laughs> Russian without an accent. And I'm still hoping to go there. Still hoping to, to serve in Russia and We'll see if that happens. A good give it to our lady. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, something comes from that. But 
Have you seen, uh, so one of our trivia questions on our game show that we just held was about the 1958 movie The Shoes of the Fisherman with Anthony Quinn. Had you seen that film? I, too, have not seen oh, it. Oh, come on! See, I told you nobody's you seen this movie. <laughs> it's not just because you're old, man. <laughs> I thought for sure I would not be alone in this. I have not lived. I have not seen it, but now it's on my list. And I'm yeah, going we to can watch it if it makes you happy, yeah. Joe. <laughs> uh, Father, have you uh, read the Brother Karazmazov? Uh Dostoevsky? Uh, Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. Dostoevsky. I, I did read parts of it and parts of other parts of Dostoevsky. I've never... Read Voynai Mir, uh, War and Peace, but I that's on my my list. Uh, you know, if I if I do end up going there, we usually study quite a bit of the culture and the history mm. to try to know it very well. I've studied a little bit of it, but um, I, I tend I plan to get there. Okay, I was just wondering because I just started reading the Brothers Karamazov and uh, mm. and it it's found it <laughs> incredibly uh, depressing. Uh, as well as just uh, as, 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 as just beautiful, absolutely very beautiful. Yeah, very Russian. <laughs> very Russian. You know, speaking yeah, of depressing, and I don't want to dwell on this at all, I want to get to the, the virtual retreats very quickly here, but uh, I just watched a movie called Mr. Jones uh, that came out in 2020. I had never heard of it until one of our volunteers here at the radio station uh, turned me on to it, and it was a film based on true, story, true, true events of a journalist from Welsh, from uh, Wales, rather, who traveled to Russia before World War II to determine whether or not Stalin would support uh, the UK in, uh, in a possible war with Hitler. And then he discovered, the journalist discovered some nefarious accounting practices going on in Russia, and then he uncovered that it was involved with Ukraine and how Stalin was starving the poor Ukrainians to literal death by the millions. And uh, so it was a very brooding kind of a film but based on true true events that, uh, I don't know, I just brought it up because it made, you made me think about that and the, the mission field there and the need to reach the people and, and how uh, Soviet communism in that country has really wrecked them in many ways. And I think they're still dealing with that, don't you think, Father Sam? Yes, actually, um, I was supposed to work in Russia back in 2012. And I, in fact, actually worked in Kiev and gave a retreat, a theology of the body retreat in Russian. Wow. wow. Because a lot of Ukrainians speak Russian. And mm-hmm. I wanted to go there in January 2013, but war broke out. And, you know, even speaking Russian is tenuous today in Ukraine because everybody looks at you like, how come you don't speak Ukrainian? Mm. Um, but they all have to study Russian. There's so much tension that's still there from that. And not many people know that Stalin actually starved out entire cities of Cossacks, of, of poor Catholic farmers mm-hmm. in the Ukraine, entire cities. And he killed 15 million of his own people. Insane. Uh, more than Hitler. Uh, but not nobody really focuses on that. But that's, no. a, that's a fact of history. Well, you should check out the film Mr. Jones if you want a taste of the uh, depravity of that situation and uh, do so with a prayerful heart because I found it very difficult to watch. Oh. It was it was heavy. But let's turn to something a little lighter and a little easier going. Let's talk about uh, 2020 and how awesome 2020 has been for our Lady of Corpus Christi. <laughs> very light <there. laughs> You know, it, okay, so it's been a bad year uh, for things happening to us. But for for our, here at Our Lady of Corpus Christi and personally, it's just been an amazing encounter with grace. Uh, we had a lockdown on the Feast of St. Joseph on March 19th. And everything in our campus, everything in our order went into hyperdrive. Because, uh, like for example, in the next six weeks, our lockdown was six weeks here in Texas. And 
over a six week period, I heard 120 hours of distanced confessions. Wow. And yeah, I didn't, I spent, I probably visited my office like twice. I was mostly a priest. I would up to eight hours a day, um, scheduled, you know, distanced outside underneath our beautiful, um, we have a Marian prayer gardens. We're like a Marian. So by distance, you mean like socially distanced. They were just several feet away from you and you were hearing their confession. It started off just sitting in two chairs that were like 12 feet apart outside. Mm -hmm. And it it ended up somebody, then people start, they built us uh, these beautiful outdoor confessionals. Um, And then, you know, just doing that was very powerful because I heard a lot of feedback of where people were at. You know, you listen for 120 hours, you get a sense of where, what, what's happening with people. And the average person had the effects of living through a collective trauma. Kind of wow. like you talk to somebody who's, whose dad just died or they just lost their dog or they they just gone through something. And they, a lot of people would say, I don't really know why I feel all this. I don't normally feel this anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. all of these things. But so uh, any any work online, which we had to shift to, uh, came out of a response to that, to being kind of a an online consolation to people who were suffering something extraordinary. Mm. And so we we did a couple online retreats. One online retreat was called Praying Through a Pandemic. And it was just a, a show, a half hour a day of, you know, thorough teachings about how, what trauma does to you, how to deal with PTSD, how to, uh, you know, process everything that's happened. And how to allow trauma to catapult you into union with God. Um, people don't normally think of sorrow as a means of intimate communion with God, but it is among the most intimate things that you can go through with someone who deeply loves you as God does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, trying to use whatever, whatever 2020 would throw at us to bring us to God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're talking with Father Sam Medley, uh, priest of the Society of the Most Holy Trinity, and uh, and I, your official title uh, is, besides being uh, a man of uh, twelve languages, apparently, is the rector of uh, of the chapel there at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Yes, the director of Our Lady of Corpus Christi Retreat Center, and it happens to be the world headquarters for the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, known as SALT. Hmm. We're going to have, we have to actually pause to take a break, but we're going to come back with our conversation with Father Sam Medley here. We're talking about, uh, how he reacted to the 2020 situation and how there's an opportunity here to uh, help all of us grow a little deeper, a little more uh, faithful, a little more pious, but a little more intimate with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So more on that on the other side of this break. Don't forget to be hanging out with us online at GRN Online. Just search for us there on all the platforms. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Don, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive His forgiveness. In James 5.16, God, through sacred scripture, commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus tells us that he was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, Jesus sends out his disciples as the Father has sent him. 
So what authority must Jesus be sending his disciples out with? The authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with Father Sam Medley. He's a uh, priest Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, director of uh, of Our Lady of Corpus Christi down in Corpus Christi, Texas. It's a beautiful chapel, by the way, Father. I've uh, had the pleasure of uh, being there on several occasions, although admittedly it's been a very long time. Uh, Father Sam Medley, welcome back to the show. Maybe you can describe it for our radio audience. Can you give us in your deep baritone voice? Can you give us a a beautiful description of this chapel that you are uh, that you happen to be able to uh, to to perform the or bring us the sacraments in. Sure. First of all, uh, the most notable thing about the chapel is that it's a perpetual adoration chapel. It's meant for adoration of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. And the monstrance is four feet tall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it's it's 30 feet up in the air. So when you when you walk in, if you don't go like if you don't look up, you don't see the Lord smiling at you in the Blessed Sacrament. And it's on a Spanish retablo with a 15-foot crucifix and Our Lady uh, tenderly uh, right next to him in a Spanish style. And then it has four saints on that retablo of the new evangelization, St. Maximilian Kolbe, St. Therese, St. Francis Xavier, and St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Wow. Who all have different roles in the, in the new evangelization. Um, and then the other thing, too, is it's all done in the style of South Texas. So it looks kind of like the Alamo, mm. the, the outside oh. have those curly cues that they have on all of the Spanish missions in Texas, which were quite near. There's seven major missions in San Antonio, which is only two hours northwest of us. And uh, it's in, done in the same kind of style as this uh, geographical place. The other thing that's striking is the dome is bright blue. Mm. And people, it's in, in honor of Our Lady, uh, with a gold star in honor of Star of the Sea, the star of the new evangelization. That's it's, beautiful. So you're under stunning. the mantle. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's, it is a beautiful, and it's, it's kind of, it's a very Marian and Eucharistic experience being on campus because we have another little blue dome that's part of the Marian prayer garden with a, an image of Our Lady, the Most Holy Trinity, and it. And the, the, the sidewalk is in the shape of three rings, like the Most Holy Trinity. Wow. So it's a, on one side, there's this huge rosary. The, the crucifix is about, it's human, it's life-size, and it's actually on the ground. And I call it the huggable Jesus. Because <laughs> he's, 
people I go out there and people are hugging the crucifix but it, he's actually man size he's like five feet tall wow and uh, and uh, then there's the stations of life size stations of the cross as well amen Emily yeah so it sounds like an absolutely ideal place to have a retreat um, as long as you're in person so what have been the responses of people who um, from your parish and your community to your efforts um, from the lockdown the mass lockdowns how did they react well, it's been quite beautiful because, you know, at first it was all online and people, a lot of people came here because they said, I just want to feel normal. I just want to be in a place where there's peace, where there's joy, mm. where people are happy to see me when I come and, uh, you know, and our, our, our mass and we, we continued, we started up mass on Mother's Day on May 10th. And um, I have to tell you about that. The, it was the funny, the most amazing thing or cross that is on top of a, a miraculous metal on the, the top of the retablo was shining for five minutes, oh, brightly really? shining. There's pictures online of it when our church reopened. And that's kind of like um, what I kind I, I, I like to think of our, our campus as kind of a, a light, the way that you're supposed to see your, your life in Christ or your baptismal life, that you shine as a mm-hmm. light in the darkness. And that really is what happened to our, our retreat center it turned into a certain kind of oasis for people online, but also in person. Um, and so the, the response is very powerful because we'd be online and there'd be a whole bunch of people. You could, you know, you can see your live followers and everything and they're commenting in the comment section and they would all be like, thank you just for reaching out for just being a voice of normalcy mm-hmm. that we're not, you know, the, God is still with us. God is, is walking alongside of us in the midst of this valley that we all have to walk through. Yeah, it's quite beautiful and lovely. I want to encourage our audience uh, to go to Our Lady of Corpus Christi.org, Our Lady of Corpus Christi.org, and you can see not only the pictures of this beautiful chapel, but also of the entire catalog of resources that, uh, Father Sam, that maybe you can tell us about. Uh, we have, a, I don't know, maybe uh, five minutes left in our conversation with you. So what resources are there that our audience could plug into and maybe get a lot of value out of? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of retreats. In fact, one of the ideas we thought we would try is to have a streaming platform, an online streaming platform. And there's at least 30 different kinds of retreats. And there there are all sorts of different areas. There's a healing retreat. Mm -hmm. There's a a mother's retreat, a single person's retreat. There's Ignatian retreat of, of how to pray, how to go to confession. Um, there's a divine mercy consecration to Our Lady, and they're done by all different kind of walks of life. Uh, there's a, a young single person giving a retreat on Theology of the Body. There's a mom giving a retreat for, for moms. Uh, you know, there's a, a young, there's a man who suffers a great deal, uh, a kind of neurological defect, defect that he has a retreat on suffering. And uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that people can do. And in 2021, on January 1st, we're going to begin a retreat, a 33-day retreat for St. Joseph. And we're wow. all over oh, here. We'll be doing the consecration of St. Joseph, ending on our the day in which our chapel was consecrated, February 2nd. The Praise be to Jesus. That's amazing. In and fact, we're going to be speaking with Father uh, uh, Calloway 
on the 21st, I believe, about his uh, excitement and exuberation over Pope Francis naming a year for St. Joseph. I mean, it was like he was pushing so hard for that last year, and I had uh, interviewed him a few times about that. In fact, when he came out with his book on consecration of St. Joseph, he was talking about how much he really wanted a year of St. Joseph. So uh, here we are. We have one. Praise be to God. And what an opportunity. And so you're taking total advantage of that. Yes, and actually on the day of lockdown, March 19th, there were uh, about 30 people here who made the consecration of St. Joseph. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, and for me, it was really pretty funny. I had a, a funny thing happen to me. It, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I asked, you know, Blessed Mother Mary, what do you want me to talk about today? What's the homily? And it's very clear in my head, guardian of the virginity, of the purity, of the Immaculate Conception. It's like, well, why do you want me to talk about St. Joseph on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception? That's kind of weird. And then I wake up that morning and boom, Pope Francis <laughs> just declared a year of St. Joseph. Like, wow, this, this is amazing. So we're taking full advantage of it. We're also going to do a Saturday series. If you look online at ourladyofcorpuschristi.org, you'll be able to see our Saturday series for nine Saturdays. We're going to be doing a retreat on St. Joseph with diff- featuring different books, one of whom is Father Calloway's uh, Consecration of St. Joseph. We're also going to be featuring Scott Hahn's book on St. Joseph, Pope Leo XIII's Quan Quan Pluris, Pope St. John Paul II, uh, Redemptorius Christus, Re- Guardian of the Redeemer, different uh, authors and different formation on Saint, different aspects of St. Joseph's life, uh, family life, fatherhood, how, you know, church life, because he's a patron saint of the Universal Church, and how to how to be a Catholic um, in difficult times, just as St. Joseph was uh, faithful to God in the midst of a godless Egypt. Yeah. And all sorts of things. So Praise God. You know, I remember uh, you had invited me to participate in a whole series on uh, Love and Responsibility, that book that Carol Wojtyla wrote uh, as Cardinal in Krakow, and uh, before he ever became Pope St. John Paul II and wrote Theology of the Body. And I remember back in those days just how much the, uh, the the people got out of the programming that you put together, Father Sam. I was so blown yeah. away to witness that firsthand, and it was such an honor to be a part of it. So I'm very excited all these years later, because that was 2009 or 10 or something that, like that. Yeah, that was a long time ago. We're I mean, doing another Love and Responsibility series. Really? On, yeah, starting on January 15th, and it's mostly for the young adults that that come here. Uh, the young adults and the homeschoolers that come to our campus, uh, a f- faith formation. And we're praying and hoping that the COVID resi- uh, subsides because we'll also do uh, ballroom dancing after that. Like, <laughs> no <laughs> way. Oh, that's so yeah, fun. Theology of masculinity uh, and femininity. Uh, in motion. My wife is it's listening. A, <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it, it is, well, we have a couple here that yeah. got married because they were dancing at the first one. Well, no way. Okay, we're out of time. That music uh-huh. means we're out of time, Father uh, Thank Sam you, Father Medley. Sam. They can get all the information and sign up and participate in all of this on the website? Yes, ourladycorpuschristi.org. Can you give all us your there. blessing really quickly? Through the intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, daughter of the Father, mother of the Son, and spouse of the Holy Spirit, may Almighty God bless you and keep you. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Check out Our Lady of Corpus Christi.org. Our Lady of Corpus Christi.org for all of these incredible resources and so much more. Father Sam Medley, thank you for your time today. 
Thank you so much, Joe. And that's going to do it for today's uh, Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Emily Alcarez, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, uh, Adrian Fonseca, for producing. And on behalf of the Guadalupe Radio Network, God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning for another Catholic Drive Time. Till then, pray for us. We're praying for you. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Sacred Heart Books and Gifts is holding a Christmas raffle. Tickets are just $1 each and can be purchased towards a $225 value general Christmas basket or a $150 value family Christmas basket. The drawing will take place on Friday, December 18th during a live 9-10am radio broadcast with Dave Palmer. Further details can be found on their website, sacredheartdallas.com. Sacred Heart is a longtime sponsor of KATH 9-10am. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with some very exciting news. The GRN now has a Monday through Friday morning drive time show called Catholic Drive Time. Catholic Drive Time is a nationally syndicated radio show getting you started on your day with the latest and breaking news and information. This live show features interesting and informative guests from around the world to cover the latest from the Vatican to the White House and all points in between. This show will provide a Catholic take on breaking news, national and international stories, fun Catholic trivia with prizes, plus tips on living the faith, and so much more. You can listen to Catholic Drive Time Live Monday to Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. Central Time across the GRN and beyond. This show is live streamed on all our social media sites, GRN's mobile app, podcasts, and more. This has been your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic radio. Radio for your soul. Hello. Catholic Life Insurance is a family-focused company that offers life insurance and retirement benefit plans. We are proud to support the mission of Catholic Radio on KATH 910 AM. To learn more about Catholic Life Insurance, you can contact Larry Lindzen or David Walker in our Dallas office at 972-7000.